All right. I want to welcome you. For those of you in other locations, online, I am joined by, uh, oh, there come the lights, by four new friends of mine up here. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, or somebody around you does, let me invite you to open me to James chapter 1. And while you're turning there, before I introduce my friends up here, I do want to say a word on their behalf. So hundreds and hundreds of kids, just like these guys around me right now, come into one of our buildings every single week. And we have an opportunity to show them and teach them who God is, how great he is, how good he is. But at least here at Tyson's right now, when kids come to our Kids Quest area, there are some kids who are being turned away because we don't have enough adults to serve and minister to them. And I just want to say to our church family, this should not be so. I'm not sure what your Sundays look like, but for every single adult, young adult, senior adult, adult who's married, adult with kids of any age, in other words, every adult who's physically able, if you are not already serving, the next generation, our church family, let this be today where that changes. Sundays are not for you only to be served. They are for you to serve. And if it feels beneath you or burdensome to you to serve in Kids Quest, I would just encourage you to ask the question, why is that? Because that's definitely not the spirit of Christ that would cause that to feel beneath or burdensome. We have an opportunity. You have opportunities every week to hold babies and pray over them, to dance and sing around with toddlers and stories and songs about the gospel, to do the same with elementary school kids and on up. And I just want to encourage every member of our church family, let's, let's let today be the day where this narrative shifts and we have more people volunteering to serve than we need. That would be the spirit of Christ among us. And for those of you who are online, I just want to encourage you to the extent with which you're physically able to be in a church setting. If you live far from DC, be in a church where you can serve the next generation. And for those of you who are part of this church family, be in this church. Again, to the extent you're physically able to serve the next generation. Like this is something, and some of you might be thinking, well, I have kids. I don't know if, how, how would I... Uh, send them to age-appropriate activities in Kids Quest and go to worship? Well, that's a good question. Bring them with you to worship and then send them to age-appropriate activities while you're serving. And you say, well, they won't understand everything that's happening. Well, neither does anybody else in the room understand every single thing that's happening. Not everybody gets every single word that I'm saying, or, but don't underestimate for a second the fruit of weeks and months and years of children seeing adults who prioritize worship to God, sitting under his word. And don't underestimate for a second what they're actually hearing and getting. So bring them to worship. We love having kids in worship, which leads to, okay, now, enough of that. Since everybody is now gonna sign up to serve you guys, Let's introduce you guys. So uh, we'll start with the ladies over here. Why don't you tell me, tell us your name and how old you are and maybe something you like to do for fun. All right, go for it. Um, my name's Summer. I'm 10 and I like swimming. Summer, 10, likes swimming. Who else likes swimming in here? Okay, that's good. you like swimming too? All right. Are you like competitive swimmer? Okay, wow. All right, you too. All right, all right, well, still, we'll go here. My name is Margo. I am nine and a half years old, and I like to bike. You like to bike. I like that. Who else likes biking in here? Okay, very good. All right, so swimming, biking. Over here, what's, what's your name? How old are you? And what's one thing you like to do for fun? My name is Ethan, and, and I'm nine years old, and I like to play video games. All right, I like to play video games. Anybody else in here? Gonna say, okay, there you go. All right, we got, everybody's liking video games, okay? All right, now one more. Hi, my name is Daniel, and I'm six and a half, 
and my favorite things to bike. To bike. Oh, we got bikers up here. Very cool. All right. Well, why don't you welcome them? All right. So here's the deal. Before we get into this verse that we're about to look at in James chapter one, I have a challenge for them. And I've prepped them a little bit, but, but okay, so here's the plan. There is a treasure hidden in this room, this huge room. Somewhere there is a treasure that is, oh, you have a question? Is it up there? Oh, just wait, just wait a second, wait a second, okay, okay. There's a treasure hidden in this room, and the treasure is money. Real money. And, well, what do you think? When you find the treasure, do you think I would let you keep it, or do you think you have to give it back? Keep it. It's grace. <laughs> what would you say? Keep it. It's grace. It's grace. <laughs> it would not be gracious for me to keep it. That's good. Yes, yes. Well, it'd be gracious for you to give it back to me. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Um, grace, grace. Holding the Bible. It's grace. Um, uh, <laughs> I love it, Margo. It's great. Okay. So what the deal is, though, you're going to have 60 seconds. We're going to put a timer on the clock. You have 60 seconds to find it. It could be anywhere, and you can get people to help you out. And it can't just be somebody. I'll tell you specifically what it is. You want to know specifically how much money it is? Yeah. Okay. It's an envelope that has a $5 bill for each one of you. Yes, $5. I don't know if that's... Uh, you're broke, so this is good. Okay, all right. So that's... All right. Well... So, but you can't just go up to somebody who has a $5 bill and they give it to you. There is an envelope with, in this room somewhere and people can look around with you, but you've got 60 seconds to find it. And don't forget, there are not like steps here, so don't go running off there. As you go out into the crowd, either go to that side, down those stairs, or that side, down that ramp, okay? All right, you guys ready? You got 60 seconds on your mark. You guys ready? You want to stand up? You, okay. <laughs> the ladies here are eager. You can leave your Bible here, buddy. There you go. Okay, here we go. 60 seconds on your mark. Get set. Go. Be really careful. All right, there we go. Start looking. Start looking. All right. Oh. Looking around on stage. Be careful back there with all that really, really, really expensive equipment. Okay, keep looking around. Well, how much time we got? We got 40 seconds left. Okay, they're running around looking. I know, we, got, we, got, we got kids crawling around. We got other kids helping out. I see kids that are not here that aren't necessarily even going to get $5 that are looking to help out their friends. We got 20 seconds, 20 seconds. It's an envelope with $5 bills for you in it. We got 14 13, 10 seconds left. Can they find it? 10 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> we got, for those of you at other locations, we got so many kids running around right now working together to make this happen. All right. For those of you who were a part of this, come on back up here. All right. Let's, let's, let's see those of you. <laughs> I love the partnership. Buddy, good job. Like, you just went running. I saw you, like, crawling around underneath people's laps trying to find this, this, this. Okay. Oh, man. So, all right. So, did anybody find it? No, where? Okay. <laughs> you want to pretend you found it? Yeah. Well, all right. I tell you what. Let's do this. Let's, let's read a verse from the Bible. How's that? Okay. I don't want you... You know it's about grace. I bet you do. All right. So James chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read this verse together. Why don't, why don't the five of us up here, we're going to read this verse together. So before we read it, did you know that the Bible talks about hidden treasure that's worth more than even money? It's worth more than gold or silver. More than candy, yes. It's worth more than... <laughs> Anything else. It's hidden treasure that's worth more than anything you could want in this world. You know what that treasure is? Heaven. 
What'd you say? Wisdom. Say it one more time. Wisdom. Wisdom. Good job, buddy. Like the... Let's read that. So the Bible talks about wisdom more, more than any money. And listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read it, us five together. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. How about that? The, the treasure that's worth more than anything else in the world. All we have to do, we don't have to search for it. All we have to do is ask for it. What if, what if that envelope, instead of searching for it, what if all you had to do was ask for it? How awesome would that be? Where is it? You asking where the envelope is? Yes. You're just going to ask me? You think I'm just going to tell you? Yes, we are, honey. We are, honey. That's grace, huh? There it is. <laughs> so I have... A $5 bill for you. You're not broke anymore. I have a $5 bill for you. A $5 bill for you. And buddy, a $5 bill for you. Can you thank them with me? Great job, guys. All right, you guys can head back there with Miss Brooke. Do, do you believe that? That wisdom is worth more than millions of dollars that you can make. It's that valuable. And that you can have it if you just ask for it. Like that's, if that's true, that's really good news. But there's something, I mean, you think, you mean I could have millions of dollars if I just asked for it? No, you can have something better if you just ask for it. James 1.5 is the first time we see that word in this book that we're studying. Now turn with me to James chapter 3. And I want us to read this passage together. And as we do, I want you to maybe circle every time you see the word wise or wisdom. Let's hear God telling us about this hidden treasure. James chapter one, 3 verse 13. Let's read it all together and again circle or maybe underline in your Bible every time you see wise or wisdom. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let's read it all out loud together. By his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what is God saying to us about wisdom right now? Well, if you're taking notes, which I would encourage you to do, Think about this in terms of one, two, three. One fact about wisdom, two kinds of wisdom, and three things to remember from today. So first, one fact about wisdom. Here it is based on James 3, 13. Wisdom is not just something you know. It's something you show. So verse 13 says, who is wise and understanding? That's same as wisdom among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's interesting. Oftentimes we think about wisdom as, yeah, they, they really know a lot and know and discern how to act or what is best in a certain situation. But think about that. First, biblically, in light of what we saw in James chapter 2, 
I will show you my faith by what I believe or by what I do, by my works. And then it makes sense practically. If somebody knows the good or right thing to do, but then does the opposite, would we say, that's a wise person? No, it'd be foolishness. Wisdom is not just something you know. It's something you show in your life. So what kind of wisdom are you showing in your life right now? Which leads to the next part of this passage and two kinds of wisdom. Starting in verse 14, see the contrast here. The first kind of wisdom that James talked about is worldly wisdom. This is not the kind of wisdom that comes down from above. This wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Quite literally, it's from hell. It calls itself wisdom, but in reality, it's foolishness. And the world, the earth, is filled with it. And notice the main characteristic of this kind of wisdom. It's prideful. It's focused on what we want in this world. You see how it's described? This worldly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom is marked by bitter jealousy. You see jealousy two times in this passage and selfish ambition, which you see two times in this passage. So it's jealous. What does that mean? It wants what it doesn't have and it's bitter. It's angry when it doesn't have it. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about this together for a minute. One of the things we want to do in these periodic family worship Sundays where more kids than normal are in the room is to do things a little different. So when, when uh, Heather and I sit down with our kids for family worship, here's how it doesn't go. It doesn't go with, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does, I invite you to open it up with me, and I have a, a manuscript that I walk through, and they just every night just get a full sermon. That is not the way our family worship works for so many reasons, including the fact that they would not come to family worship. Uh, but instead, it's a lot more, hey, let's talk about what is, what is God teaching us in his word? So let's, let's do that together. I want to invite you in just a moment, turn to one, two, three people around you, and you can do this on your own. If you'd rather just be by yourself, that's totally fine. But if you're willing Turn to a couple people around you. Introduce yourself. If you need to move a little bit, that's totally fine. Get to know them and just real briefly and then answer this question. How can jealousy lead someone your age to act foolishly? So if you're a child, so kids, what might jealousy look like in the actions of, of another child? Or if you're a teenager, Think specifically about teenagers. How does jealousy lead to foolish behavior in teenagers? Or if you're an adult, think specifically about somebody in your shoes. So your age, your stage in life, how does jealousy lead to foolish behavior in someone who's in your stage and age of life? So take a minute to talk about the relationship between jealousy and worldly wisdom, which is foolishness. How can a jealous heart lead someone your age to act foolishly? You got two minutes. Go for it.
All right, let's come back together. Let's come back together. And I'll just go ahead and put it out on the table. For the introverts in this room, that's like the longest two minutes of your day. Uh, so I just want to encourage you to lean in because it's not going to be the only two minutes like this today. And again, reach out if there's somebody around you. And feel free to invite them to be a part of that conversation. If they're like, no, I think I'm just going to think of my own. That's totally fine. But all that to say, let's do the same with the next phrase. So selfish ambition. This phrase, selfish ambition. Worldly wisdom has ambition that's selfish. It's driven by what I can get for me, what's advantageous for me, what's comfortable for me, what's pleasing to me. So how can selfish ambition lead someone your age to act foolishly? Again, make it personal to you as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, whatever age or stage you're in life. So we can oftentimes think, well, yeah, here's what teenagers do that's foolish because they're selfish. Like, no, let teenagers think about that. You think about how this could look in your life. And children, think about what this looks like in your life. How can selfish ambition lead someone your age to act foolishly? Two minutes, go for it. All right, let's come back together. So this is, I, I hope this is stretching the way you think about wisdom. Because oftentimes we're just thinking about like knowing what to do, like jealousy and selfish ambition. That's how God in his word right now is defining worldly wisdom. And you know what's interesting? So now come back to verse 13. All these things that we just talked about. James says, if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth, which implies that people with worldly wisdom will actually be tempted to boast in it. You see the pride here? People will behave foolishly from a heart of jealousy and selfish ambition, and they'll actually boast that this is wise and true, that this is the way you should live. And you think about it, I think we know this. There's a sense in which this is the way to be successful in this world. Go after all you can get in this world. Do whatever it takes to get it. Please yourself. Live your truth. This is the wisdom of this world. And we're all tempted not just to live according to it, but to boast about it from every age and stage of life. And look at where it leads. Two verses down in verse 16 for where jealousy and selfish and ambition exist, there will be disorder 
and every vile practice. If you're taking notes, you might write this down. Worldly wisdom leads to disorder and evil. Jealousy, selfish ambition, they always lead to disorder. This is a really interesting word. It means an unsettled state that's unruly or tumultuous. Does that word not describe our lives in this world? We're always unsettled, never content. Things are never enough for us. That's not just a foolish way to live. That's a frustrating way to live. It's a sad way to live. Always unsettled when things are not going the way you want them to in this world. And it leads to every vile practice, to every kind of evil. This is so interesting. Think all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. First sin in the world. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, wanted what they didn't and shouldn't have. A piece of fruit from this one tree. They were convinced they needed it, so they ate it. And from that sin, from that one foolish act, pridefully focused on what they wanted in this world, came every kind of evil imaginable. Just think of evil in the world today. It all came from this foolish act. That's worldly wisdom. Pridefully focusing on what we want in ways that lead to unsettledness, disorder, and evil. But, so that's the next word in this passage, verse 17. But there's another kind of wisdom that comes from above from God. We'll call this godly wisdom. And the kind of wisdom that comes from God is the exact opposite of worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom was prideful, focused on what we want in this world. Godly wisdom is humble, focused on what God wants in this world. Did you notice the phrase back up in verse 13? Let him show his good works, his conduct, in the meekness of wisdom. Now there's a trait that this world does not prize, but God does. Meekness, humility. Instead of a prideful focus on getting what we want in this world, godly wisdom humbly focuses on what God wants in this world and in our lives. And look at the characteristics of this godly wisdom. It's first pure. So let's do what we did with worldly wisdom, now with godly wisdom. Like how can someone your age show wisdom by being pure? So we're gonna take just one minute this time, discuss with a couple people around you, or just consider this on your own, as a child, teenager, as an adult, whatever age stage you are in life, how can someone show wisdom by being pure? Go for it, you got one minute. Okay, stay kind of just turn to each other. We're just gonna go down the list here. We'll take a minute with each one. But let's, let's just think practical ways. And even think like in your life this week, how can someone your age show wisdom by being peaceable? Word literally means to produce peace between other people. So what would that look like this week for somebody in your shoes? How can you, someone your age show wisdom by being peaceable? Okay, you got a minute, go for it.
All right, next. How can someone your age show wisdom by being gentle? So another attribute that our culture world does not prize. So what does gentleness look like practically in someone your age? How can you, someone your age show wisdom by being gentle? Talk about that for a minute. Okay, we're at like the halfway point walking through this description from God of godly wisdom. So next, how can someone your age show wisdom by being open to reason? That phrase means to be willing to listen to someone else, to understand someone else's perspective, even to submit to them, even when you'd prefer something different. Being open to Step into another's shoes to consider a situation, obviously in a way that doesn't mean you compromise your convictions or you let go of that which is clear and direct in God's word, but wisdom is open to understand others and even yield to others. So what would this kind of wisdom look like in someone your age this week? How can someone your age show wisdom by being open to reason? Think really practically. Go for it. You got a minute. All right, we're getting into the home stretch. Three more pictures. This is God telling us wisdom is, so look at this next one, full of mercy and good fruits. So how can someone your age show wisdom by being merciful? This is so interesting, isn't it? Like, we don't usually equate wisdom with showing mercy. We don't usually equate wisdom with, like we're just talking about being open to reason. I know you show wisdom by getting your answer out there and getting everybody else to believe exactly what you think. That's wisdom. I know this is totally countercultural here in Metro DC. Open to reason? I, what if a government worked that way? Like, what if our lives and families in the church worked that way? It's wisdom. I hope this is stretching us. So here we go. How can Someone your age, show wisdom by being merciful. All right, go for it. Talk about it. Think about it. this week. How can this wisdom, what does this wisdom look like in practice?
All right, we got two more, two more. Here's the next word from God. Wisdom from above is impartial. Remember James 2 talked about not showing favoritism to people? So how can someone your age this week practically show wisdom by being impartial? Impartiality and wisdom. What would that look like in somebody in your shoes? Go for it. You got one minute. All right, last one. And then this super awkward exercise for introverts is over. One more. Sincere, genuine, authentic. Wisdom from above is not fake. It's sincere, genuine, and authentic. So how can someone your age show wisdom by being sincere? Talk about that for one minute. All right, let's come back together. I, and as we do, I just, the picture I have in my mind, I, uh, I was in Hebrews 10 this morning. Let's not neglect meeting together, but let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. That's the picture I've had in my mind, just watching across this room. Like when we meet together, it's not just about sitting next to each other, it's about stirring each other up. Like considering how can we spur one another on to love and good works, to wisdom from above. So all that to come back to this passage. So remember where worldly wisdom led? Disorder, evil, every vile practice. Look at where godly wisdom leads. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Godly wisdom leads to righteousness and peace. How awesome is that? The fruit of your life. Don't you want the fruit of your life to be a harvest of righteousness of that which is right and good before God and others? Don't you want that to be the fruit of your life? And then peace? Harmony in your relationship with God? Harmony in your relationship with others? Don't we all long for that? This is where wisdom from above leads. So don't settle for wisdom from this world that leads to unrest and evil. Seek the wisdom of God that leads to righteousness and peace, which leads right into three things to remember. And we're just gonna hit them one after another. First, Jesus is the wisdom of God. 
It's really interesting. So all this description of wisdom we just saw from above. Now think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. The Bible describes Jesus Christ as the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus equals wisdom of God. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Jesus is the wisdom of God, which makes sense, right? In light of all we just read in James. First, Jesus is from above. He's God in the flesh. And he is perfectly pure, without sin. He's the epitome of peaceable. He came to bring peace with God and with one another. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He's submissive, yielding to the Father's will, even when that meant dying on a cross for our sins. Amen. He is full of mercy for sinners. Regardless of who you are, what you've done, if you are visiting with us today, maybe exploring Christianity, we hope the one message you hear and what we sing and what we pray and what I'm saying, the one message we hope you hear is that you were created by God for relationship with God. Amen. You were created to know and walk with God. The problem is you and I and all of us in this room have foolishly turned aside from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways and the ways of this world. And our sin, that's what the Bible calls this foolishness, has separated us from God. And if we die in this state, we will spend eternity separated from the love of God. But the good news of the Bible is that God above loves us and has come to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has come to pay the price for all your foolishness, all your sins. He came to die on a cross to pay the price for all those sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, if you will trust in Jesus, God will forgive you of all your sins, all your foolishness. He'll wipe away. He'll restore you to relationship with him for all of eternity. Amen. Please Hear me say this. This is just flowing straight from all we've seen. The most foolish thing you could ever do in your life. And I know that's a big statement, what I'm making here. But I mean it to be so because it's true. The most foolish thing you could ever do in your life is to pridefully reject the love of God for you in Jesus. Don't do it. That's foolishness that leads to eternal condemnation. Be wise. Receive the love of God for you in Jesus. Trust in Jesus as the wisdom of God. You know, I want to take that one step further. For those of you who have trusted in Jesus as the wisdom of God, and I just want to encourage you, especially if you're walking through circumstances right now that are hard and heavy and specifically hard to understand and you don't see why this or that is happening and why this or that is not resolving. And I just want to encourage you in this truth, Jesus is the wisdom of God. Just think about it. Jesus, God in the flesh on a cross, dying. That makes no sense to this world. It's what 1 Corinthians 1 says. It's foolishness in this world. But God was doing something in the cross that would lead to your good and his glory in ways far beyond what anyone could imagine for all of eternity, which means when you walk through the hard and the difficult and the things you don't understand, you can trust in the wisdom of God. You can trust that God is working in ways you don't see, in ways that may not make sense to you, 
You can trust. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He's shown that and you can trust his wisdom today. Which leads into the second thing to remember. If you want godly wisdom, then you need Jesus. If Jesus is the wisdom of God and you want wisdom from God, that means you need Jesus. This world will lead you every day to pridefully focus on what you want in ways that will lead to unrest and evil. You and I need Jesus every day to transform our hearts so that we humbly want what God wants in this world. And we need Jesus. All these things we talked about, we need Jesus to make us pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere in ways that lead to righteousness and peace. That's not natural. That's supernatural. In order to have these things, we need Jesus. And the beauty is, the good news is, in order to have these things, all this wisdom, this treasure that's worth more than money, what do we have to do to get it? Do we have to run frantically around for it? Just ask. Amen. Ask Jesus for wisdom every day. And show wisdom from Jesus in every moment. So from the very beginning of your day, just start out, Jesus, I pray for this treasure for wisdom. I pray for wisdom to understand what you want more than what I want. Amen. And he will give it to you. It's what James 1.5 promises us. So ask Jesus for help to be pure, to be peaceable, to be gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And he promises not just to help you know, but to show this kind of wisdom that comes from above, Amen. that comes from him in every moment you face. So let me invite you to bow your heads with me all across this room and other locations, online. Let's just go before God who has all wisdom in whom all the treasures of wisdom are hidden. And let me just ask every person within the sound of my voice, have you put your trust in Jesus as the wisdom of God? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? To bring you back into a relationship with God? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, I invite you right now, in this moment, to ask. Child, teenager, adult of any age or stage in life, just say to God right now, God, I know I have acted foolishly. I have turned from your ways to my own ways. My heart is foolish, but I believe that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for all my sin, to forgive me for all my foolishness. So today, I put my trust in him. Please save me from my sins. I'm asking you to save me from my sins and restore me to relationship with you through Jesus, life and death and resurrection. When you pray that, you ask God to do that, he does that. He gives you salvation when you ask. And for all who have, can we just pray, God, we need wisdom. We need wisdom from above. And we praise you for your promise to give it. So we're asking for it. We ask for it. I ask on behalf of people all across this room, other locations online, just all the places where we are right now, we ask you, God, for wisdom. Going into this next week, amidst all the situations we're walking through in our lives, we pray that you would help us to spurn turn aside from, leave behind worldly wisdom. It's pridefully focused on what we want. Give us, we pray, godly wisdom that's humbly focused on what you want in ways that lead to all of these descriptions that we've seen in your word, heard from you today, and discussed together. God, make us wise people in Jesus. 
In his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.